0: Hey everyone, welcome to The Start. I'm Patrick. And I'm Nick. This episode, we're with Christine Rode. Christine is a designer specializing in branding, interaction, and print design. Uh, Christine grew up in the suburbs of Oslo, but currently resides in San Francisco, uh, where she's a product designer for Facebook. Christine's story is super, super interesting because for a while, she really, really struggled to find confidence in her work, even though everyone around her realized how talented she was, uh, which is, I'm sure, something all of us can relate to. Hear how one faithful email opened up the doors and the world for Christine.
1: This is the start.
0: well. It's a beautiful day out today, this Saturday in New York. I'm sure it's even better looking over there in San Francisco.
2: It's not too bad in San Francisco right now. Nice and greasy and just the right amount of sunny.
0: Good. Well, yeah. I'm glad you could join us on a beautiful day when you should be outside. Uh-huh. Boston,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's still early. Still got the rest of the day. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. Um Nick and I are pretty excited. You are the first... And who knows, maybe only person from Facebook. Yeah, I'm, you know, it's it, right. It, it's interesting because, um, you know, uh, we talked about this before we started recording, but Allison House is the one who recommended you as just a person to follow and, and keep tabs on online because um, you're producing great work. That's how I became familiar with you. Um, and the Facebook thing was second. I was like, okay, she, oh man, wow, her stuff's really good. And it's like, oh crap, she works at Facebook too. That's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> um, and then you wrote. The piece, Lest I Forget, which will be in the show notes. Um, and I was like, holy crap, this is right up the alley of the start. So it was only natural that we ask you on. And you said yes. Yeah, there's an incredible article. Yeah, yeah it's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you.
2: It seems perfect with this show.
0: Yeah, and you are the second person to have Pokemon in their <laughs> early, early career. Um, involved somewhere. That's hilarious. But, but, you know, I don't. I don't want to spill all of all of your juicy details of your history and how you got here. Why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and then sort of how how you got started and everything.
2: Sure. Well, so my name's Christine Road, and I'm currently a product designer for Facebook. Um, I studied graphic design formerly in college, but long before I ever did that, I kind of got my start doing doing web design and making websites. <laughs> so it's kind of a funny road, I guess, to start off with web and coding and all of that, and then suddenly decide that like, no, I'm going to go and study print. But <laughs> I I hope that it makes me just like well-rounded at least. But the way it all started was that when I was nine years old, maybe 10, my, my parents got the worst. And so my dad moved, like, two hours away to a suburbum, basically, like, the other side of Oslo in Norway, where okay. I'm
0: from. Okay.
2: Um, and so I was two hours away from all my friends over the summer, and I didn't know anybody in this town where my dad was living. And so I started spending a lot of time on the computer. Hmm. Um, and my dad's always kind of been a technology guy. Like, he loves to buy and sell things, and... Who always just like pick up the latest piece of technology and try it out and see what's going on. Um
0: so so was he time, Christine, sorry, was he buying and selling like computer things and like technology, like hardware and stuff?
2: Basically like anything that you could buy and sell on the internet, he was doing okay. it. Got
0: it. <laughs> so he was he was big into eBay in the beginning, essentially.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, and the Norwegian equivalents of that too. And so okay. anything from like cell phones and Game Boys and video games for us and the kids and um and for him, like he would buy and sell cars almost at the same speed as Mm -hmm.
0: well. (laughs) Oh wow. Was he buying Uh, and selling cars online?
2: Um, I don't know how they did it back in the nineties, but however it was he Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, I guess. Well, I know now you can like physically buy a car on Mm -hmm. eBay. Yeah. Um which seems odd to me, but yeah. It might have
2: been less common back then but yeah he found a way and he often turned a profit too on just picking up good deals and then keeping it for a few months and then upgrading to something else
1: He was a pioneer for sure
0: yeah
2: yeah yeah so I had him and he was just been really into the internet and computers from the very beginning um and so we always had computers in the house and I was on them pretty early on and so that summer when I was just kind of lonely and hanging out and didn't know what to be doing he got me set up with Microsoft front page on the computer and kind of showed me how to set a background image and write some text and then downloaded like an FTP client and showed me how to use that
0: too. Now did he do that and it's interesting that your dad did that for you was it something Mm -hmm. that you um, initiated were you like hey that like Was it something where like you had an interest in something and he saw the direct extension to essentially web design or was he like, Hey, you might like this. And you had no idea what it was.
2: Yeah, I think it was because I'd been spending so much time on the internet already. So I was just like sitting on the computing, um, going deep on all the Pokemon websites that existed at the time. Um, And I think that he just saw the opportunity that, Hey, there's all these Pokemon websites, why don't you make a site about Pikachu? And so I was 10 years old at the time, and I was like, yes, of course I want to make a website about Pikachu.
1: Yes, Um, that is awesome.
2: (laughs) And so that's how it started. And so, yeah, like, he definitely helped me out in the beginning, like, downloading the FTP software, like, showing me Microsoft front page. Um, But I think that was it. Like, he kind of, like, got me up and running. And then from there on out, like, I figured everything out on my own and surpassed his web skills. Cause he's not, um, he's not like a computer guy professionally at all. He's an air traffic controller. And so for him, it was just a hobby. And for me, it just like completely took off. And I started spending all my time working on this Pikachu website.
0: That's so yeah. cool. Um, <laughs> so were you, here's a question for you. Correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like in the beginning, you were doing this only in the summers when you were at your father's. Um, When you would go back to your mother's, like uh, it sounds like, you know, the other parts of the year, uh, assuming rotating around school, were you still Mm -hmm. were you still building these things? Like, what was your mother's? um, I, I, I don't want to say what was her outlook. I'm sure your parents weren't like pitted against each other based on your personal activities, but I'm sure she probably had some thoughts of her own.
2: Yeah, my mom's. Well, she's not as accepting, I would say, as my dad was about like me sitting on the computer. Like she was definitely the one that was always signing me up for sports and trying to get me to get out of the house and go sit out in the sun and um, generally please stop spending so much time in front of that screen. Sure, Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but, but we still did have a computer at my mom's house as well. And so I, so I would be coming home and just picking up all the work that I'd started at my dad's over the weekend. Um but I would go there every other week as well or every other weekend. Um, oh, okay. So wow. that was usually when I would like really binge on making websites and then I would have some more limits to my computer usage when, when I was at my mom's. But this is also back in the day when you had to pay by the minute for internet usage. Yeah, so, means- so I would only be allowed to go on the internet after 5 p.m. because that's when it got a lot cheaper,
0: ah so they did like peak hours mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. yeah 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 so outside of the peak hours it was much cheaper by the minute to like be
1: i I remember when Um, like verizon operated that way for just regular voice too for like speaking minutes yeah
2: right Uh, and i mean like being on the phone and being on the internet was the same thing if i was on the internet they could not talk on the phone and so i remember it was such a big deal when we finally got like the two lines so that you could be doing Mm -hmm. both at once and It's not even that long ago. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's wild. So, okay. So, the first things you did were Pokemon sites. You were pretty involved then, I guess, in that whole <laughs> thing. <story.
2: laughs> it, uh, it definitely took a life of its own. I mean, this was like 1999, uh, 2000-ish. So, Pokemon was huge uh-huh. at the time. Um, I'm pretty sure that I kept my interest in that for at least... A year maybe two years I'm not I'm not exactly sure at the moment um but yeah like it held my interest for a while until like slowly the interest started dwindling and the number of updates got just rarer and rarer um but by that time I'd already made like a bunch of friends um mostly girls my own age that were doing the same thing and also making websites um so we started creating this just community. Um of, I guess, 12-year-olds making websites about Pokemon and whatever our interests were at the time. I think I followed up with a website on Harry Potter and then one of Zelda and I don't even know. That's cool,
0: <laughs> these fan sites. That's awesome, yeah.
2: Yeah, it was all about the fan sites.
0: Now, were, but then, you, were your friends local or were you all guys sort of like uh, dispersed throughout the country, throughout the world?
2: Throughout the country and throughout the world, yeah. Um, So they were mostly Scandinavians because obviously I was 11, 12 at the time and my English wasn't exactly the greatest. Um, sure. So um, I had this one really close friend that was in Denmark, um, which the Danish language is really similar to Norwegian. And then I also got a few friends around Norway as well and then slowly started making friends like around
0: the world as well that's so awesome and you weren't at the time and I when I was you know I'm not sure if we're the same age but it sounds like based on your time periods we may be I'm 25 so if we're not the same age we are probably in the same ballpark I'm 24 okay so cool um you know did it um ever occur to you that at the time it was sort of different to have friends throughout the country that you guys do like quote-unquote met online
2: it definitely did because I I mean it was very different right and like you tell you tell your parents you tell your other friends they're like oh yeah my friend in Denmark And it's like oh how did you meet your friend in Denmark and it's like oh, on the internet and people were just incredibly skeptical of that at the time um But yeah, my my parents were surprisingly understanding, and I think that they saw just how much time we spent, like, talking together on MSN and creating these websites and just, like, yeah. Generally, like, the first thing I would do is, like, run home from school in the evening and jump right on MSN and talk to, like, all my friends around the world, um, which was crazy at the time. But... um, but yeah, like my mom eventually warmed up to the idea, and I guess when I was thirteen or fourteen, I actually was allowed to fly by myself to Denmark to meet up with my with my friend that I'd only before seen on the internet.
0: Wow! And how? Do I so you're gonna have to give a little bit more detail because that is <laughs> well, it's wild that your my mom was really skeptical about letting me on the plane by myself just because she's you know she's a parent. So what yeah. was the, I, I'm sure your mother and potentially father. Spoke with their parents beforehand, right?
2: I imagine that they did, but I don't actually remember them doing that. So yeah, I'm assuming that like they're sane, responsible parents, and they wouldn't just send me on a plane to a different country without talking to the parents first. But I actually have no memory Hmm. of like connecting the parents together.
0: Oh wow, okay. I just assume
2: that it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Like
0: my parents are pretty smart. They probably did.
2: They probably did. It worked out. I mean, that, looking yeah me at the time I thought it was the most natural thing that of course I get to go fly across borders to meet up with my other friend who's my same age that I've only talked to on the internet before. But Duh. yeah. Either they were ridiculously trustworthy or maybe a little bit crazy or they did plan ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so how was that though? How awesome was that? Yeah.
2: It was awesome. Um I think it was like probably a little bit awkward too, but all in all, like it was a really fun experience. And obviously we kept in touch afterwards and yeah, just kept up the same relationship We've we've drifted apart at this point, but um, I still have her as a Facebook friend, which is fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I think we went to we went to some amusement parks and we drove around the country of Denmark, which is a very, very small country, and it was just a fun week. And then I flew back to Norway.
0: Yeah, That's very so cool. cool. So you are at this point past Pokemon sites, and it sounds like you did a few other fan sites. Where else are you in your life? Um, you're you're still in school, but how mm-hmm. much how much does um, you know your interest play into the rest of your world at this point?
2: It's pretty dominating, actually, like, as you can probably imagine, like, a 13-year-old that, play, that spends the majority of her time on the computer making websites is not the most popular person in middle school, um, and so I really felt like the majority of my social life was actually with these friends that I had made on the internet that, like, I ran home from school to talk to them. We all had, like, common interests, um... Several of them were really like really talented artists and drawers, and so they kind of at that point had roped me into like trying to get good at drawing and I'm not that great at drawing like i've if you've seen the the blog post that I made, you can see some of like my early attempts, and there might be like slight improvements, but it was it was never my calling but for a while i was sure that like that was what i was going to do because like all my friends were so great at it and i just wanted to get to their level
0: hmm. This, yeah i'm looking at it now so the drawings that you have on here and listeners we will uh post this in the show notes um so like there's the one there's two columns or two rows rather it's like with the cow the dog and the ghost and then the group of girls and then jane and kate now, were these drawings that you did that you then brought in, like scanned and brought in, or were those strictly digital?
2: Uh, they're strictly, yeah, they're strictly digital. Um, somewhere along the line, my my dad acquired like a vacom tablet for me, and so that's how most of these were done. Oh, wow. If you see the the drawing on the left with the with the four girls, that's supposed to be like me and my my internet friends <laughs> yeah, at the time. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then- <laughs> so I'm the one with the ponytail, second from the right, and. Um, yeah, and those were my friends, you know. Like, we met over the internet, and we only met in real life, like, two, three times. But from the time between I was, like, 12 and 16, like, I spent more time talking to them than anyone else. Yeah, that's amazing.
0: Wow. See, I, I still think these are pretty, are pretty good, good, considering it's only a Wacom, <laughs> and you were, like, anywhere between 12 to 16. That's awesome. So, okay, so you're now in you know, the U S equivalent of high school. Cause you're like 16 years old, what's going through your head. Cause I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong, you're probably starting to think about, uh, going to university or something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, I guess it started when I was in middle school, you know, like I was still making websites It evolved from being like fan pages for Harry Potter and Pikachu and whatever to being more like personal websites. So there was a lot of blogging before blogging was cool. Um, and just, like, I would redesign these websites every single day, and I was, you know, pretty damn sure that I didn't know exactly what I wanted to be doing in the future, but I knew that it had to do with being on the computer because that's what I felt like I was good at and something that I felt like I could actually be doing for the rest of my life. Um, so when we started in high school, which is, um, yeah, 16 uh, in Norway, you actually get to, like, pick a course Um for your studies, So you can choose to, like, go, like, general, which is just, like, your average high school education, all the normal stuff, or you can also pick, like, a more um, more specific course for your studies. And for me, it was, like, pretty obvious that I wanted to go for the media and communication studies, which is, like, what it sounds like, I guess. You get a lot of uh, classes in journalism and design and video and photography and just, like, all that kind of stuff. Um and it was also the only high school course where you got your own computer and got to spend all your classes on the computer. So clearly perfect. it was like perfect. Yeah,
1: perfect match. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I came in there and obviously I felt like hot shit because I was the only one that had been doing this beforehand, before coming into this high school class. Um And so like I quickly... I mean, I learned a ton from being there and just being able to like flex my muscles and doing this like on a daily basis. But I realized soon that like most of the other students that were in this course were a lot less serious about actually making this their career than I was Mm. at the time. Um, And so everyone else had kind of picked it because like, yeah, they got to spend the whole day on the computer and like they just wanted to do like the easy thing. Um, And I did it because like that's actually what I wanted to do with my life.
0: Yeah, it sounds like they were like screwing around playing games or something where you were like, hey, this is, I really like this.
2: There was a lot of that. Um, since it was like a really new program, the teachers didn't really know how to keep us in check and actually make sure that we were doing what we were supposed to be doing in class. And so there was a lot of playing games and watching movies and all of that that went on when we were supposed to be working on assignments. Oh, wow. But
0: <laughs> we um. Now that yep. I'm thinking about it, Nick, we had Jackie. another person. Yep. Jackie, yeah. She um, she had a similar thing. She actually met her. I think I think they're still like. I don't think they're married. I could be wrong, but she was in a similar position where she really liked these courses. Um, and it sounds mm-hmm. like it was very similar to like a web design sort of programming e kind of internet course that her high school offered her, and it was she was the only girl in on the course. Um, and her. I believe now boyfriend was also in the course and she like took it really seriously. She was like really getting into programming and she would help him. And well, it was more other yeah, students, it was similar
1: but, in the fact that she came in with a whole lot of skill already
0: as well. So yeah, how did that, she like an interest in it.
2: Yeah, no, it was crazy for me because I, I mean, I was 16 at the time and I actually found that I had more advanced skills than the teachers that were teaching these yep. classes. Yep. Um, Cause as you can't imagine, like, someone that has studied design, whether it's graphic design or video production or whatever, to go back and teach that to high school students is probably not your dream. Um, And so the the teachers that we had weren't necessarily like the, the greatest in their field, unfortunately. And so when we came in and we had like one or two web design classes and, you know, I'd been... I'd been coding and making websites for for over five years. At that point, I could I could write HTML and PHP and like the whole the whole wow. thing. And they were forcing us to use Dreamweaver, and I was like, Christine, you're not using Dreamweaver. Mm-hmm. You're doing it wrong. Um, it, <laughs> so that was rough in the beginning. That was and
1: that was I have a question about that. How did that go? I mean, did you you know were you still a diligent student and just kind of did what you were told to do like normal students do or were you just you know did you kind of rebel a bit and and do your own thing because you just knew how to
2: yeah I think it's a little bit about. um I ended up being very much in a position too where I would actually go around and help the other okay. students figure out their problems because you know when you got like 20 students and one teacher they can't help everybody out with Dreamweaver at the same time um and so I very much ended up actually like tutoring and like being like the, the point of contact for a lot of my fellow classmates that needed help with their assignments and all of that. So at least I got to, kind of stay busy in that in that way. Um, but in general, like school always came pretty easy to me, um, both like beforehand and middle school and whatever. And now that I transferred to high school, like. I did a lot of coasting just because I found – I figured out that I could do my assignments last minute and still get an A. Mm. So why why should I make the most effort when when I can get good grades by doing basically nothing?
0: Yeah, I, I know that feeling. It makes it really easy to, to just do – well, it probably allowed you to focus on everything else.
2: Yeah, so I mean like I kept all my – I was still doing all my side hobbies on the side. This is also when I first started doing freelance projects too for, um, for friends and friends of friends and things like that. And yeah, I, um, started having a lot of people, you know, come up to me and say, like, Hey, I have this idea for a website. Can you help me, can you help me do it? And, you know, they would offer me a hundred dollars and I would be like, that's so mm-hmm. much money. I've never, yeah. I've never earned that much money before. Um. And then I would be working for like four months on someone's websites for a hundred bucks and think that was a good deal.
0: <laughs> That's So was there any other like proper job opportunities that you had prior to going to college? Because it sounds like, I'm going to argue and say that there probably weren't many kids, let alone adults, uh, with the level of knowledge and skill that you had. So was there an opportunity to actually make profit?
2: Yeah, yeah, there was. And so... Well, it didn't start out as profit, but while I was in my, I think it was probably either at the end of my first or my second year of high school, um, the teachers had caught on to the fact that I was one of like two or three students that were actually like serious about about doing this professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so me and two others, we were given the opportunity to like um, start looking for I guess internship is the best word for it in English where every Friday we could skip school and just like work for, for a real place instead. Um, And so I sent out a ton of emails that for the most part, I got zero responses to because they all went, hello, I'm 16 years old and I was wondering if I can work for your studio once a week. Mm -hmm. Um, But eventually I did find, or I did get a response from, from this design studio where. um, the Science slash advertising studio that was in Oslo, which was um, about 40 minutes away from the suburb when I was living. And so, yeah, like they – it was free. It was an unpaid internship in the beginning, but they took me in one day a week, and they gave me some projects. And so they had me – I this was, like, when Flash was still king. And so at the time, I was – I had been convinced that, like, learning Flash was, like, the way to get a great career. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they were doing a lot of Flash advertising, a lot of Flash websites, you know, like, more like campaign websites for um, ad campaigns and that sort of thing. And they kind of took me under their wing, and they taught me how to write action script and make all these Flash banners. Um, So lots of animating, text flying in and out, and yeah, but... That was that was my first real job, like being within the within an agency and doing that. And after being with them for about six months, um, one summer came along. They offered me to to work for them, paid over the summer. So that was like my first my first real paid gig.
1: Great,
0: yeah. I'm were you, so here's a question for you, actually. So you were still sixteen, seventeen years old. You went mm-hmm. from an in- intern to Essentially, it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, sort of like a paid internship over the summer. Yeah, uh, it
2: was a full-time position. Um, but yeah, I was a pre-contributing member of the staff, even though I had no idea what I was doing.
0: <laughs> did you, was it a matter of you getting more responsibility or they just started paying you for the work you were sort of already doing?
2: Well, I think that uh, when I first started, you know, the idea was that, oh, she's getting class credit, high school class credit. For being here once a week, and so like pay, paying me wasn't wasn't a part of the deal. But um, when they saw that you know I could actually contribute to to the work and actually like have a real role, they they hired me on full time for for the summer months. And yeah, I got to take more responsibility for a couple of projects. I got to come to some client meetings and things like that. That's
0: so awesome, mm-hmm. especially so young because it's like you just got you know you're offered an opportunity to pull back the curtain in an industry or in a on a on a topic or subject that you love so much to see how it okay. works in real life and then they pay you for it and then yeah. at 17 you're getting a taste of what it would be like to hypothetically do this for the rest of your life
2: yeah yeah it was crazy um I think I realized pretty quickly that advertising was not really like the section that I was looking to be in, at least not the type of advertising one where you're really dealing is just, you know, crafting flash banners that go on the side of, I think our main client was, or not our main client, but most of the ads that I designed went on that website for um, the biggest newspaper in Norway. And mm-hmm. so like, it was pretty high profile and it was awesome to be able to like go on vg.no and see... And see, like, hey, like I I made that, Um, but it wasn't like the most creatively fulfilling thing either to animate like text flying in and out of of these like fixed size banners.
0: Yeah. Um. So. You did that for the summer. What happened after that? Like, I guess summer's Mm -hmm. over. Then what? Did you just stop, or did you keep going as in an intern capacity, or did you move on to something else?
2: yeah so um i didn't I didn't work for them during the school year because, like I said like it was like forty the city was forty minutes outside of um where my high school and where my home was, and so like I just couldn't bear that commute on top of my schoolwork and everything, but um sure. still needed to make money, obviously, so I was working for the Apple store at the time, which was at the mall right next to my high school um and so that was the last retail job that I held actually um cool. Up for, for two years during like down in my high school. But you had a
1: nice setup at that point, working at the Apple Store, getting some yeah. discounts.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really loved doing that too because I just got to talk about Macs all day, and I got discounts on all the products. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, to, I felt like, like that was the time when Mac was still like the underdog too. Like I feel like. He, I feel like that has really changed yeah. by now because Apple was like so prominent at the time. But my job was basically to have all these customers come in and then convince them why they needed to switch from a PC to a Mac uh-huh. right now. And yeah, I was so passionate about it. So it was really natural.
0: Well, it's like, it's like feeding an addiction, but at the same time, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people I think are shifting towards this mindset now because you have Mike Montero who did like the, the design as a job and how designers are destroying the world and all these talks mm-hmm. that are sort of discussing the idea of designers are not just like these creative fairies, but they are real people with real jobs and they have responsibilities. But it sounds like not only when you were younger did you get some real work experience, but now through the Apple store, especially when they were still the underdog, you were teaching people how, or you were learning yourself how to sell. Uh, yeah. which I'm sure is probably so a relevant skill that you may use on a day to day in your current position.
2: Definitely, I think that one of the biggest things that I learned from working at retail, and the Apple Store was my first retail job. eater. I worked at the post office and at an ice cream shop ever before that, but those were a lot less interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, you don't really have to sell. You don't really have to sell me, ice cream much. It's just kind of, just kind of sells itself <laughs> there.
2: I had that job for like for four months over the summer, when I was like 15 and I told myself that I am never working in the food industry again because I was so sick of having ice cream under my fingernails Uh, um yeah (laughs) so yeah anything after that has been a huge improvement but um, but yeah I think that one of the things that I really benefited from in working retail was that I'm not I'm not like the most social person um in general like I definitely fall on the introvert spectrum of things and I'm not the first people to approach or the first person to approach someone usually. Um, And so when I had to work in the retail environment, you actually have to force yourself to talk to all your customers and walk up to someone that's playing on the, with the iPhone or an iPod or whatever and start like selling them on the product. Um, And I think that just, like, made me a lot more confident and a lot, like, really increased my ability to not only, like, have a conversation with anybody, but also, like, yeah, had to sell them on things. Mm
0: -hmm. That's so cool.
2: Yeah. I wasn't, I was not the best salesman by any time in that store. Of course, like, they kept track. We had to sell um, AppleCare. AppleCare was the thing that we had to push on as many customers as possible, and that's where we got a commission, and my track record for selling apple care was just awful. Got it.
1: There, there's a certain element of fear but, you have to try to instill in people on that, you know, in order to sell it. So I could, I could see that. Yeah,
2: yeah, you do. And you have to convince them that, like, this is really worth the money. You really need to have this. And I guess, like, I felt like such a scumbag mm-hmm. because I wasn't actually convinced that they needed to have it. Um, and for me, like, I don't know, I guess AppleCare is like $100, $200, something like that. And for me, when I was seventeen, that was just a lot yeah. of money, um, and so I felt terrible about convincing people to buy that. Yeah, it's
1: it's interesting because it goes back to what you believe, you know, and what you feel is something of value. You're going to sell it a lot better. So the actual computers themselves, mm-hmm. you had no problem. I mean, you were probably easily selling those. Then it comes to the Apple Care, but and yeah, you're like, oh, well, I don't really need it, and I don't really think you need it, but I have to try to sell it to you.
2: Right. I went through the spiel each time, but I don't think I was convincing enough to actually get any conversions.
1: Cool. So I think, yeah, sorry, Patrick, I was going to say, I think where we're at is we're approaching graduation, right? We're we're now approaching maybe kind of the just the post high school decision.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah so, um, you know, like when I was in high school too, and before I've always had this obsession with, American culture I guess I guess because I you know my years of being on the internet and just making friends around the world I made a lot of friends who were American and I felt like I participated so heavily in like forums and whatever that were really skewed towards the American population so like from talking to uh, Americans every single day I'd really like become really obsessed with this idea of living in the U.S. um and so while I was in high school, I was trying to do this, like, exchange student thing, you know, where, like, you, one American student goes and live with, lives with your parents and then, like, vice versa. And my mom was, like, not cool with it. She would not let me, like, do this exchange thing while I was still in high school.
1: That, 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 so that's, that's so interesting. It's like, she wouldn't let you do the exchange thing while you're still in high school, but you could go meet your internet friend, you know, in yeah. another country. <laughs> yeah, that's just, right? That's great.
2: Yeah, well, it was expensive, and I don't think that she really wanted to take in an exchange. Student. Yeah, totally. Um, and she probably didn't want me to miss a year of high school either. Um, but yeah, so I wasn't allowed to do that. And so, in return, like I really set my eyes on this idea of going to the US for college. Um, and so, I was in my senior year of high school when I started, you know, looking for places that I could go. And it was, I mean, the tuition. Just looking at those numbers was terrifying, but I started applying to schools anyway. Um, and it's funny because people always ask me like, how I ended up at the college that I that I went to, um, California College of the Arts in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I was just googling California graphic design and and applying to the schools that came nice. up.
1: <laughs> how else? You know, how else would you have done it at that point? Really.
2: Yeah, how else would I find out? No one else were going to be able to tell me. Um Yeah,
0: that's true.
2: Yeah, so I applied to uh SVA in New York, um Savannah School of art Arts and design. Uh, Yeah, art and design. and um uh, in Savannah, uh, Georgia, and then also um Arts in Southern California and then CCA here in San Francisco. And SVA didn't let me in because I wasn't good enough at drawing, which I was really bitter about. Mm, mm. Um, but I got accepted to SCAD, C C A and CalArts. Um and SCAD offered me a pretty big scholarship, but I was I'd never been to Georgia before and I just didn't know if I would how I felt about like packing up and going to a place that I'd never been to go to school in a state that I didn't know anything sure. about. Yeah. And Georgia is course, a lot different than San Francisco, yeah.
0: especially if you're yeah. coming from internationally.
2: And so, you know, I'd been to San Francisco a few times before I knew what that was about. I'm coming from a European background and culture. Um, and so like politically, I lean a lot more towards California than sure. the South. Um and so it was just a lot less scary. And then I really had my eyes set on CalArts. Like, I was convinced that, like, this is the school for me. But they didn't give me any scholarships whatsoever. Mm. And they were more expensive than CCA to boot. And so then that's how I ended up in San Francisco. So, Christine,
1: did <laughs> um, the fact that it's kind of like a tech hub, too, you know, was doing a lot of forward-thinking work, uh, even then, um, did that – kind of what did that play into your decision as well to go there
2: i wish i could say that it did but i it honestly well that, did not. that's a wonderful um,
1: coincidence then isn't it?
2: it it really is so i wasn't i mean like obviously i've heard of silicon valley but so cca is based in san francisco and oakland mm-hmm. um and this was before the startup boom this was back in like i was applying in 08 and i started at college in 09 um And so it was really before, like, this current tech boom had started taking off. I spent my freshman year in Oakland, which, even though it's only, like, 40 miles away, it feels incredibly removed from, like, the core of Silicon Valley where all this stuff is going on or at least, like, starting to bubble up. Um, And so I was was completely ignorant of the tech scene for, for at least the initial two years that I was at CCA. And especially because I was studying graphic design. Um, well, at the time, there wasn't even an interaction, interaction design program at CCA. There is now. But for me, it was like, all right, like, I've done the web thing. I've been, like, the nerd that codes code that no one else understands. And you know what? Now I just want to make some, like, beautiful magazines, and I want to learn, like, the really traditional aspects of this industry. And I was actually convinced that like my web days were behind me and that I was going to go and like do nothing but logos from this point onwards.
0: Wow. That's funny. Yeah. And it's the complete opposite. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah. It didn't work out like that. It's, it's quite funny, but yeah, at the time I was like, I was sick of being like the nerd, I guess. Um, and I, as much as like, I enjoy coding, um, personally and that's like a means to an end to like get the design through where I want i had done a bunch of freelance projects where you know like I was the one making the websites and I was just I realized that like being a web developer was not my thing because I'm I i did not enjoy the process of fixing all the ie bugs and making the website work across every browser across every size um I just like to, like, make websites for myself and not for clients. Sure. Yeah. And so I thought that I needed to just stop being a developer mm-hmm. and become solely a designer. And I thought that, like, graphic design was the way to do so.
0: Do you think at all – so at this time, the idea, like, right now working in technology or being a programmer is a really hot topic, right? It's like you're yeah. the, they're the new cool kids. Do you think, do you think that, I mean, there was a bit of a stigma that like only like really, really like stereotypical introverted kids that didn't really have any, you know, all these really bad stereotypes. Do you think that played anything into it at all?
2: I think it did. Like I, I was just really scared of like becoming that, that um, stereotype. And I thought that like, I wouldn't be taken seriously as a designer unless I stopped putting my development skills on my resume which gotcha. was true in a way because as long as I had all these like three letter abbreviations listed in the skills section of my resume, people weren't looking at my design skills. They were just like, Oh, she can make our website. Mm. Um, and so I realized that if I wanted to get like an an internship in the graphic design industry and I wanted it to not be like, Oh, Christine, can you like be the one that like updates our website every time that we finish a project? I wanted to actually be the one deciding yep. things. Um, I just had to stop talking about my development skills.
0: You wanted to do the work that you enjoyed doing and you wanted to yeah. be respected for it.
1: It's it's amazing how it's come full circle now, you know, how you without attempting to, um, are just so ahead of the game, are are, are pretty much the person that is so in demand that has both skills, you know, that can work both the design yeah. and the development and it's just it just took a little time to get there, obviously.
2: Yeah, I think I'm, I don't think there's actually that many people out there that start out in the development side of things and then like slowly try to teach themselves the, the design. It seems like it's the other way around a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, so for the longest time, I was just convinced that I wouldn't touch code again. Like, cause I didn't want to be, I didn't want my design skills to be undermined. um, And so I was just applying for internships left and right. Like the first internship that I got was basically exactly like I described that I was interning for this art gallery. And I was only in my sophomore year, so I didn't really have um, my design jobs weren't fully developed, I guess. But my job was basically just to like make their website. Um, and (laughs) And that's when I realized that I just couldn't keep promoting these skills because they would just get taken advantage of. So in my junior year, I took this class that was called publications where we had to spend the whole semester working on a concept and then eventually designing and producing a magazine um, related to like a topic of your choice. And it was funny because I ended up making a magazine that was called X Quarterly and that was based on the idea that... um, it was based on the idea to embrace rejection because like rejection is actually what made you who you are today. Like it's not like the choices that you make. It's like the choices that you weren't allowed to make. Yes. Um, so the idea that, or like the thing that I kept bringing up was um, like the fact that I really wanted to go to kellarts and I couldn't go there. I was even accepted, but like the financial aid that I didn't get meant that like it wasn't an option for me. Yeah. And it ended up being a blessing in disguise because I found myself in San Francisco instead of Valencia. Um, and it was just a really great city to be in. And so, you know, even though it was never my first choice, it ended up being like the rejection that shaped who I am. Um, and so that was like a really fun project. Um, I had a really great teacher. I had all these like wonderful examples of rejection, um, both, cruel and amusing in in this magazine, Um, like Nikola Tesla and pandas being extinct. And just like, it was a really fun time. But at the end of, like, I did really great. Um, I think the teacher really enjoyed my work. And then I really wanted to work for him because he had a studio in San Francisco. And so I applied for an internship at his studio. I went there. I interviewed it was all like incredibly promising. It totally sounded like I was gonna get it. Um, and then they took like a month to decide because it ended up being between me and this other mm. student. Um, and yeah, so it was like a month of like my teacher um, started ignoring me in class because you know I think he felt bad.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah, that's a little awkward.
2: Um. And he was just, like, trying to make this decision between me and this other guy who's still my friend who's, like, completely talented, just amazing. And I didn't end up getting the internship Mm -hmm. at this graphic design studio. And, of course, like, I cried and I was so upset. And this is, like, the worst thing ever. Um, You know, like, I'm never going to become anything because I couldn't get a job at this design agency that I just love and adore. Um, And then... Instead, because I didn't get that internship, I ended up, um, getting an internship at Nokia instead as a visual designer. Oh,
0: well, not bad.
2: And so that was actually, like... Yeah, that's my... not bad at all. Yeah, so that was, um, I mean, that came after I'd gotten my initial rejection when I kept on interviewing instead, um, but that was actually, like, my first foray into, like, the real Silicon Valley tech industry, because I'd been so separated from it beforehand, um, You would think that, like, the graphic design industry wouldn't be that, like, far of a divide from, like, the tech design industry, but I've come to realize that the gap is actually pretty huge. Um, and so once I got that internship at Nokia, whose office was located down in Sunnyvale, California, which is, like, um, it's about an hour on the train from San Francisco, actually, so it's a lot further than you would think just looking at the map, um, so I was commuting down to Sunnyvale every single day from San Francisco, which is like smack dab Silicon Valley. Um, and yeah, like I started suddenly designing apps and got really into reading TechCrunch and The Verge oh, every day. Nice. And all of a sudden, I found myself like really in the midst of the tech industry.
0: Well, This sounds like that was uh, probably before. This, uh, I'm, I'm injecting my own opinion here. This was probably when TechCrunch was actually a good source of news for the tech industry.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I remember I guess so. Days.
2: Or before I was wise enough to tell the difference between between <laughs> the gossip and the <laughs> Yeah, right? And the rumors.
0: No, I feel you. That's how'd you like Sunnyvale? My brother lived there for a very short he probably lived in Sunnyvale for a year. And it, I had only visited him once, so I'm just curious what was your mm-hmm. what, cause you were there every day, right? While you were interning at yeah. Nokia. In
2: yeah, I mean, I wasn't living there or anything. I was just commuting down there every day. And luckily, their office was straight off the Caltrain, so it was just, like, a very short walk. Um, but Sunnyvale was weird. I don't know if it's gotten better since then. This was kind of, like, just as the recession was starting to starting to calm down, I guess, or, like, the economy was picking up. Um, but Sunnyvale seemed kind of like a ghost town, like— nokia's office was gorgeous and it was kind of like in the middle of where the old downtown was and right next to like a huge shopping complex and everything but there were all these condo buildings that were unoccupied and just like all these streets that looked like they should be fun full of life but there wasn't like a person inside mm, um wow so i don't know if it's changed since then i hope so but yeah just like all the empty condo buildings and um you know everyone's just driving it's not really a walkable town at all you you have to have a car and you have to like drive it's so suburban um but
0: it's wild well the i'm, I'm is nice I'm, I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm sure at that point you were like no i don't want to live here per se
2: right and i actually like i told myself that there was no way in hell that i'm getting another job in silicon valley because this commute is just killing me um you know, it was in, well, in the beginning, it was like an hour and a half to take the train down there every day. And I actually ended up being able to refer my friend that had a car and she got a job as <laughs> as an yes. intern at in Nokia as well. And so once I got her that job, she started driving me to work every day, which kind of improved the situation. But um, it was still, you know, like an hour driving each way.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say was the train. It sounds like the train was an hour and a half, just because of the fact that it was probably a local stopping commuter train, so we just stopped. It was, hour. and
2: then it was also just the fact that I don't live that close to the train station in San Francisco, uh, so it was like twenty minutes, half an hour, just uh-huh. for me to get from here to to the train stop. Um, Jeez,
0: Louise! Yeah, that's that takes. So a bit. at least
2: when I got picked up in my friend's car, that that cut down the time.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So you were interning at Nokia. Um that how long did that last was that just for a semester
2: Um that was 3 months over the summer and then I continued it working remotely while I was in school for another 3 months so it was a 6 month internship like halfway full time and then halfway just like kind of freelancing next to my school um and yeah that was that was great i really i love the people there and it was just like a really nice um working Working culture. Um, but I was also there when this was in 2012. Um, and this was when Nokia was not doing all that mm-hmm. great financially. Um, and so I was there when I think they laid off like 40% of the, the company employees wow. while I was interning there. Um, and, you know, like that announcement got, got made And all of a sudden, like, I'm the only one in the office that actually knows if I have a job tomorrow or not. Because I was there on a six month contract, so they couldn't fire me. But every designer that I worked with was suddenly like fearing for their jobs.
0: Did that scare you at all? Like, I guess a better way to say it is, it sounds like you had confidence in that you're like, Oh, I'm guaranteed to be here six months. But were you at all worried that the volatility of Nokia might echo out to like future jobs, you know, after that six months, is this going to be the case for another company that I go try to work at, et cetera?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that just the fact that, you know, like in general, I went my, I went to college from 2009 to 2013 last year when I graduated. And this was all like a, you know, like the peak of the great recession. And so Mm -hmm. this entire time that I was in school, we were just, Constantly being told that like less than ten percent of you are actually going to be working in the design industry, um, you know, getting a job will be super hard and only the best of you will survive. Um, we were constantly told that there's just not that many jobs out there for designers. Jeez. Um, and that you pay, you picked a terrible yeah, career. Yeah, that's like I guess. that's a little <laughs> brutal. I wonder
1: if they were just trying to like maybe separate, you know, the tough ones that can they can make it and build some thick skin versus mm-hmm. the ones that can't.
2: I think that was a part of it for sure. But I also do think that like the people that graduated a year or two year, three years before me, they they really weren't looking at that great employment um, opportunities and like 2010 and et cetera, just because then the job market was so weak and every, I know that I still know a lot of my friends that are working like minimum wage design jobs because like that's, all the risks in the more like traditional graphic design industry, excluding tech and web, of course. Um, but yeah, so like every, every internship that I had up until Nokia had been minimum wage, 10 bucks an hour. And at Nokia, they paid me $30 an hour. And I thought, I, <laughs> I thought this was the most money I was ever going to make in my entire yeah. career.
0: Steak dinners every night.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then, you spent six months at Nokia. Luckily, mm-hmm. you were on a contract. You were getting paid great money for anybody, let alone a college student. Yeah. Um That one ended, and then and then uh, where did you go?
2: So um, after that, I started looking at, you know, I was pretty set on that I would be working in San Francisco because there was no way I was doing that commute again. Um, and I was also looking to get back into, like, the more um, graphic design industry, or at least, yeah, I guess that's the best way to putting it. But I decided that, like, what I wanted to really do is branding, because in my mind, like, branding encompassing encompasses, like, everything that I loved about design, because you get to be there for the entire process, you know? Branding isn't just, like, making the logo, but it's also then, like, Crafting the print material mm-hmm. and the brochures and then, like, making the website and the app and everything to go together and, like, really working with it as as an entire system. Um, and so I'd realized that, like, that was what I wanted to do. I don't really care about, like, the, the one-off jobs or, like, the poster assignments or things like that. But I love, like, designing a system and, like, seeing it all the way through to, like, all the different formats. And... Uh, it was really appealing to me because like I mentioned, like it does include that, that website component. So my idea was that I would get to do everything that I loved about graphic design. And then I would still get to design like websites and apps because that's always like a part of a brand package.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And so I got lucky and I managed to get a job with, or an internship with this, um, amazing designer, um, A woman called Katie Barcelona who she spent close to a decade I think at Pentagram in New York before moving back out to San Francisco and starting her own studio here oh wow and so I was um her first intern and her first employee in her brand new studio
0: that's big yeah that's awesome I'm actually on her personal site now her stuff looks great
2: yeah no she's she's absolutely amazing um and so yeah, she she was working with um, Lindsay Daniels, who was a classmate of hers. She They'd actually both gone to the same school as I did, so we had a lot of connections in common, and I got the job through one of my professors who knew her, um, and she was really just, like, a mentor for me the entire time. Like, we were – it was just me and her working in an office together, and so we got to spend just a lot of time together Um and even though i was just an intern like just the fact that there was only two of us um meant that i was given a lot of responsibility just in being able to execute on the projects cuz you know we had to divvy up the work
0: yeah i mean there's physically only two of you and stuff's got to get done that's so cool yeah that's super super cool so what um how long were you there for
2: so um i started working there in january 2013 so about a year and a half ago now um and I was loving it I was there two days a week while I was working on my thesis project in my last semester of school um and I just loved working with her and I had every intention of staying on and starting to work for her as a full-time designer once that I graduated um and so yeah like we were just working together I was there two days a week I loved it um I did a bunch of projects for NYU and Mohawk Paper and all of that, and it was just like a blast. Um, And then three months in, while I'm working on, you know, I'm in I'm in thesis, I'm doing this two weeks, two days a week internship, and it's staying pretty damn busy. And then all of a sudden, I get a email from a Facebook recruiter asking if I'm interested in coming and interviewing. Dang. Wow!
0: Did you have any prior contact with these people, or was this like a cold email?
2: Um, it seemed like a cold email to me. Um, but it turned out it it wasn't exactly, which is kind of a funny story in its own. But um, I don't know if you guys are you you know Jessica Hish?
0: Yes, we do. Well, we know. I don't. We don't know. I don't know her personally, <laughs> but I do follow her work. I think she does great stuff.
2: She's amazing. Yeah, so um, I've always been a huge fan of hers, you know, she's a hilarious woman, I always followed her on Twitter, and I couldn't believe that, you know, someone could be so open and funny and just like talk about their work so openly. And she, she moved to San Francisco a few years ago. And so I started going to, you know, like she would be at events and whatever, and I would be there too. So we ended up chatting a few times. Um And so she's married to to Russ Mashmeyer, who's a product designer at Facebook. Um, And so, it was actually her from me running into her a couple of times, chatting a couple of times. um, She found my website, she saw my work, and she told Russ, her husband, to refer me to Facebook.
0: That is. So that's actually how I ended
2: up getting that email.
0: That's amazing. Um well, Jessica, if you're listening, I think you're the coolest person ever that's really nice <laughs> that's so cool,
2: yeah, so that was awesome and so I got this email from Facebook, and i you know i didn't really know what to do about it um it was for the product design position, and i I didn't know if like was this what I wanted to be doing do i what is even product design I don't even know um but I figured that I'm never going to get this job in a thousand years anyway, so I might as well just go into the interview and see what happens. Um, so I, I had a couple of interviews with them. Um, I was probably a wreck when it came to, like, being nervous and everything, but I, <laughs> I somehow made it through. Um, and, of course, like, somewhere around the line I found out that, it was Russ that had referred me, which, yeah, brought a lot of light up on, like, how I'd been found because I had no idea there for a second. Um, and, yeah, and so, like, I started out and I was pretty certain that I would, this was not the job for me. Like, I wasn't ready to do the commute again. Um, I wasn't sure they if were this is what in, I was going to uh, be doing.
0: They were, they were down in, in um, Silicon Valley, right?
2: Yeah, they're down in Menlo Park, which is not quite as far um as Sunnyvale, like it's only like 40 minutes versus an hour. So it's at least like a slight improvement, but it's still, you know, it's still a commute that I was pretty set that I wasn't going to be making. Um and I was also just so conflicted because I was I told myself that I wasn't going to, you know, be working in web design. I told myself that I was going to be working in branding. And here I had this gig with this amazing woman. um, And I was really scared to leave it. But it was really through, like, the interview process at Facebook that I realized more and more, like, how amazing of an opportunity this was and how much I loved everyone that I would spoken to and that I wanted to be a part of their team.
1: Definitely. That's great. And I think it's so cool that what a great feeling to, you know, be referred, honestly, you know, to something without even knowing it. You know, just someone yeah. believing in, you know, believing in your work enough to say, like, yeah, definitely check her out. And I don't even know her.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. It shows that, like, anyone you talk to might actually be, like, the next person to get you a job. And so I realized to, like, really not not undermine the connections that I make because it's crazy how like, you know, some, some amazing designer that you follow on Twitter might actually be like the next person to uh, listen. Yeah. To help yeah. Listeners listen
1: up. I mean that that's, yeah, that's one hell of a piece of advice.
0: Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's some wild shit too. And it, you know, it's interesting cause it's not that you, it doesn't sound like you, um, interacted with Jessica or anybody for that matter. For the sake and sole purpose of growing your network and and using them as a step up, but that in fact, you were you know just being yourself and well doing good yeah. work, yeah, being yourself out. doing good work, yeah, yeah, yeah
2: absolutely. I'm like I said, like I'm not much of a networker at all. Um, I'm nervous enough like approaching anybody at all, and so like the conversations that we had were you know very lighthearted, just like small small chats here and there whenever I'd run into her or see her at an event or. I went to her studio for a few talks a few times too, you know, but like not like we spent much time together at all. Um, and so it was just like an amazing coincidence that ended up working out like that.
0: That's, that's, that's awesome. So, and that's, that's where you're at now, right?
2: That's where I'm at now. Yeah. So interviewing at Facebook was like five rounds. Um, it, was, it took over two months of going down there several times um, and, yeah, just meeting with everybody there and going through these exercises and presentations and everything, and so it was pretty time-consuming um, considering that I had to commute all the way down to talk to them and at the same time that I was balancing my, my current internship and also, like, my thesis project in my final semester. So it was a pretty crazy period of my life. But um yeah. I was absolutely convinced that there was no way I was getting this job. But I just came to be so convinced that it was right for me also through the process of the interviewing, just because I Yeah, I just was so impressed by everybody that I met during the course of the interviews so that I knew that if I if there was any chance I could join this team I had to.
0: Yeah. So so cool.
2: <laughs> so when I got the offer, um I'd already made up my mind um and I yeah, I actually in the beginning I was keeping it secret from Katie that I was that I was talking to them. Um but we were we were so close at the same time too. So of course like I ended up telling her when I was like I think going in my second round. Um and yeah like of course like she was incredibly sad to lose me um which is you know that that means a lot when you have people that are sad to see you go I think um but she totally understood that it was also just like the right place for me to go um because finally like I had all this technical knowledge that I've been sitting on for so long and finally I had a chance to actually use that no
0: that I mean it you know, it sounds like your experience wasn't just with uh, with uh, Katie wasn't so much of a professional, but also a personal one. Like you guys grew together. She was it sounds like she was in somewhat of a mentor capacity um, and she helped you grow your skill. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah. Sorry. And, <laughs> no, go ahead. I
1: didn't want to cut you out there, but it did seem it, it seems like she it's very cool that you didn't take it personally or make it you know, make it an issue. It seemed like she knew and recognized your talent. And as someone who kind of recognizes and understands that, um, and that this was just, you know, an opportunity that I think everyone would agree is just impossible to pass up.
2: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, um, I helped her set her up with a friend of mine, super talented friend for the next internship. And, um, me and Katie are still close, and we still talk together on a regular basis. But she actually ended up moving to Barcelona sometime last year. Um, so I wouldn't have been able to keep working for her anyway. So it worked out. It worked out for the best. Perfect.
0: Wait a second. Wait a second. Her name is Katie Barcelona, and she moved to <laughs> yeah. Barcelona?
1: Yeah. Naturally. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Done deal. Drop the mic. Drop Jeez. the mic. <laughs> nice talk about a call. Right? Talk yeah, about a right? Calling. So, we, um, we're we coming towards the end. We have uh, three more questions. Yeah, okay. And these are, we sort of talked about these before we started the recording, but these are the ones that are a little bit more introspective and, and sort of uh, reflecting on your experiences and, and offering bits of wisdom. Um, if you could give yourself, um, your younger self, any piece of advice. So... Mm-hmm if you can reflect from today back to yourself when you were maybe 12 or 16 or 18, what uh, what one thing would you tell Christine from, from the past? Yeah.
2: I think the biggest thing is just don't sell yourself short. I think I've sold myself short so, so many times over the course of the years in terms of like undermining my skills and convincing myself that I can't really do all the things that, you know, like I thought I could do or like, generally just like, um, not actually believing that like my skills for that were extraordinary at all. Um, and when it comes to like 14 year olds that are writing like production ready PHP code, you know, like that is kind of bad. Pretty extraordinary. But I didn't realize at the time that that was out of the ordinary at all.
0: Yeah, and well, I still you thought, thought it was of, normal because you were doing it,
2: right? I was doing it, and I was like, "Oh, I'm just 14. Like, I, I mean, like, I'm not professional. I suck at this." And so for me, like, I never thought that that was something that I could do in really a professional cap- capacity, like that of an engineer at all. Because I, for, to me, I was just like a little script kitty, like sitting and hammering at the keyboard at home. I didn't take myself seriously.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and so, like in that, you know, like when I was asked to design websites, I was like. Oh yeah, like I'm just like at the bottom of the barrel, and so like of course I'll do it for a really cheap price or even for free. Um, and I didn't realize like that I actually was doing this for real, and that I could have charged a lot more money.
0: <laughs> well, it, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're being um, valued at Facebook now and paid the, <laughs> the, the proper amount, so it all works out in the end, I guess, right? I am,
2: yeah, and so that's also like made me realize that I'm you know, actually worth a lot more than the things that I've agreed to do in the past. And so, yeah, another thing I would tell myself is to always have a contract because I've gotten burned on that so many times.
1: Well, that and, you know that actually lends itself perfectly as an answer to the, the next question or the uh, accompanying question of this one, which would be like uh, a tip or something for someone getting started in the industry or for someone new, and that seems like a perfect thing for them to keep in the back yes. of their mind put it on paper put it in writing don't want anyone to get screwed over
2: yes it doesn't matter if it's for just like your best friend or your uncle or or yeah like someone that you hardly know like no matter what like make sure that you write out all the details in the contract and it doesn't have to be like flowy lawyery language it just has to be like i am doing this 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 and that and you will pay me this amount in return um Cause so I've had so many projects where it's just casual and we're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just do that thing for you. That will be super quick. And then it just ends up spiraling out of control. And all of a sudden I'm doing 10 times more than I ever initially agreed to, but we never put it in writing. Mm-hmm. So I can't really stop it.
1: Great yeah. tip.
0: You hear that. You hear that everyone newcomers and people who've been doing this for a while, get it in, in writing and writing. Um, okay. Very so important. yeah, very important. So now it's time for this secret fun time question. (laughs) Um, Now I'm going to ask you, I I need to do some, some investigative research before I pose the question. Do you like animals?
2: Yes. Yes, I do.
0: Do you have any animals?
2: I do. I have a little dog.
0: Oh, cool. Now, do you enjoy sports? No. (laughs) Okay. Perfect. (laughs) If, do you know what the Puppy Bowl is?
2: Yes, I do.
0: Okay. If you could replicate the Puppy Bowl in any other sport, what would it be?
2: Oh, oh my God. What could be? And what would what be the be name fun? of it? Because you
0: can't use the Puppy Bowl. It's already taken. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Well, the Puppy Bowl is amazing in its own right. Um yeah. that's usually what I'm watching when the when the Super Bowl is going on because it's a hundred times cuter. Um, trying to think which other sports would really lend itself to puppies. I think any sport would lend itself to puppies, but um, oh man, we just had Game Day at Facebook earlier this week, which is like an annual event where like we actually get to take a few hours. Um, Go outside of the office and just like play different types of sports with the entire cool. company.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And as you might imagine, like the company in general is not that athletic.
0: <laughs> I could see it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, like software engineers, product designers in general, we're not we're not the sportiest sure. types. Um, so the type of games that are organized are much aren't exactly real games as much as it's like dodgeball and Mm kickball and you know like that sort of sports um but there's this one amazing game that i played that was called catch the bacon and i have no (laughs) idea if this is like a (laughs) a thing outside of the capacity of facebook but i think that it would be a perfect game for puppies to play
1: and and how does how does it work
2: (laughs) you have well i think it would probably require a lot of self-control from the from neighborhood the- <laughs> the puppies as well. But you basically have two teams and so you would have a row of puppies on each side of the course. And then there's a we had a stuffed pig in the middle. I guess you could also play with real bacon. Um and then the judge calls a number. So like each player on each team is assigned a number. And so when the judge calls a number like the person assigned with that number on each team like runs into the course and the idea is to like catch the bacon and bring it over back to your edge of the edge of nice. the course um and so if you bring it back you get two points and if you tag the person that has to bacon, you your team gets one point point. Um, and if the
1: puppy eats it he's out
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> that exactly. sounds cute like, perfect <laughs>
2: but even if you just played it with the stuffed animal i think that would be stuffed pig i think that would be a good game i could definitely see some puppies going crazy for that and the tug of war that would result with be
0: <laughs> amazing that that um that reminds me, there was a commercial in the U.S. a while back, and it was for these things called bacon strips. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically oh, yeah? like artificial bacon strips for it was it was uh dog treats. And the whole time, it's just like the camera, the per, uh, perspective of like a dog. Oh, like, dude, that that's still the commercial
1: eyes. for sure. Is that still the yeah. commercial?
0: <laughs> I'll put I'll put it in the show notes and I'll send it to you guys. Um, I am totally checking that out because that's what it reminds me of. But um, but yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I think- Christine I think that's that's about all the time we have so thank you for joining us in the start we appreciate having you thank you so much for
1: having me this is really fun
0: good yeah it's a great story
1: thank you, thank you.